Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 306 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so happy that you are here today on this bonus mini episode brought to you by my patrons at the $5 and up level a month. And I really love doing these episodes. So I want to thank the people who are asking questions. And today we've got some, we've got some difficult questions. So we're going to go uh, kind of deeply into the emotional heart of what we are doing. So before we do that, I would love to thank new patrons. I haven't done this in a while, so let me do a little catch up. Uh, Holly, thank you. Thank you so much. Kelly Serena. Hello, Kelly. Uh, David Drysdale and Susan Eisman Leviton and Flora M. Brown. Thank you. Thank you. Maggie Carroll and C and Nicole Morgan. Thank you all so, so, so much for supporting me at any level. I always read everybody's name, even if you supported the $1 a month level. I love the $1 a month level. It's fantastic. Really what you're doing is you are allowing me the time to do this, to sit in this chair, not only and answer these um, Q&A questions about writing, but you are allowing me to write the essays that I love and I have to tell you that if you were to join, there's a ton of essays over there. And I just wrote a really fun one about getting stuck on a mountain with a dog in a rainstorm in which I am not dressed right. And I basically become naked because of what I am not wearing and having to get off that mountain and having to be having to call for rescue. Let's put it that way. So don't you want to read that essay? Uh, it was good. It was funny. And, and um, kind of a, kind of a love letter to my wife, honestly, in a, in a funny way. So that's over there. You can always go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L for that. And then you get the back. What is not? I don't want to say backlog. Um, all the, yeah, basically the backlog of all the essays that I have ever written are up there for you to read. So if you're looking for something like that, that's there. Also, before um, I get to answering these questions, I wanted to tell you about something that I did spur the moment over the weekend. Sorry, I didn't have a podcast come out on Friday. I just, I was too busy and I did not get around to it. Oh, and I had a migraine. So the migraine day was just like, nope, can't do it. But on the weekend, I worked all weekend because I'm on deadline and I really need some accountability. I need some accountability help. So I put together a month-long challenge. It's a month-long challenge for you all to join me in. And let me give you um, the URL of the place you can go sign up for it. Okay. Just go to rachelheron.com slash challenge, rachelheron.com slash challenge. It is June 6th, your time as I record this. This is for the next month, you get to make the exact days of your challenge. You get to make the challenge itself. You get to decide on an amount of work that you want to do. But if you make a decision to hit a writing challenge, and this is really, really great if you haven't been doing your work, make a decision to hit a challenge. And if you hit that challenge in one month, then on July 9th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, July 9th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, we will get together on Zoom for 30 minutes and we'll do a Q&A kind of like this. 
but you don't have to be a Patreon. And you can just hang out in this group. Come, come hang out in this group. There are 129 people already signed up for this. Um, and people fall off the bandwagon. There will not be 129 people in that room, but there will be a lot of us hanging out and talking about hitting our challenges. And in that 30-minute Zoom with me, which is totally free, uh, you can ask me any question about writing. Any question. If there are a lot of questions, I will talk really, really fast. If there are only two questions, then we'll just we'll hang out. Um, but what I want you to do is decide to do something with your writing. It can be anything. It can be revising five pages. It can be writing 40,000 words. It can be, oh, writing six poems. It should be a challenge to you. It should be something, not something very hard. We don't want to make this a very, very, very hard challenge. We want to make it a challenge to do more than you're doing right now without a challenge. That's all. It's in order to get your butt in the seat and do the work. You can go by word count. You can go by time in the chair. You may want to say, I, you know, my challenge is to spend three hours a week in the chair looking at my writing, whatever that is, without the phone on, with, with be, without being connected to the internet, just sitting in the chair thinking about my work three hours a week. You get to make the challenge. Then go to rachelherron.com slash challenge. Fill in that Google document. Tell me what your challenge is. Tell me what you're excited about it. Um, tell me some other things. There's some other questions in there. Signing up for that, if you are not already on my email writer list of encouragement, that will put you on it because that is how I'm going to stay in touch with people. However, if you don't like being on there, unsubscribe. You will never hurt my feelings by doing that. So right now, are you at a desk? Swivel over to the computer. Type in rachelherron.com slash challenge. Are you on your phone? Hit pause on the podcast. Stop walking. Stop doing your little hike. Send yourself a text to go to rachelherron.com slash challenge when you get home. This is totally free. This is totally selfish because I need to finish this book um, and revise it by the beginning of July. And I am nowhere near that. So I, I really need this accountability for myself. And knowing that right now there are 129 of you doing the same thing, working on your same goal, you are not too late. If you come in and listen to this in two weeks, set yourself a two-week goal and sign yourself up for the challenge so I can communicate with you. I will be sending a couple of encouraging emails just to the people who sign up for this during the time that we are doing this. And then if you're available on July 9th at 5 p.m., 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, then we'll hang out on Zoom. If you cannot hang out at that time, if it's a busy night for you, there will be a replay and you will get it and we will talk about hitting this challenge. So I really want you to sign up for that for my sake, please. Okay. So that's super fun. That is going to happen. Let's jump into these questions. Um, they're not all of them, but they're circling around some uh, some angst and despair. And this is what I've been hearing from people. I don't know. It's in the zeitgeist right now. It's in the air. I'm feeling it myself. So let's jump into these. The first one comes from Brian. And he says, um, hello. My apologies for starting with a quote. The quote is, I finished a book. Soon, maybe I can be a human being again. Natalie Goldberg said that. And then Brian says, earlier this year, I wrote about throwing in the towel on this whole memoir thing. The most emotionally taxing chapter sparked that decision. Well, I'm back. 
I found it harder to quit than write. While sitting and laughing with friends at a Mexican restaurant, I felt a sting like I should be doing something else. During one round of group laughter, I turned toward the door and saw a high school mascot of a hardcover book wearing a sombrero. He wasn't laughing. Judgment and disappointment radiated from behind his wire frame glasses. After blinking twice and pulling myself together, he disappeared. Of course, there wasn't a mascot, but this scenario best describes the pinching feeling I get when I'm doing anything other than working on my book. Here comes my question. I just finished listening to On Writing Well by William, William Zinzer. He speaks of two authors that totally rewrote their books upon completion. It hit me right there. I'm not revising. I'm rewriting, aren't I? I have taken every horribly written summary and rewritten it into a tolerable scene. Not a single word so far has escaped restructuring. I guess I have listened to you and your guests talk about revising, the joys of revising, the 12-hour days of revising, and the satisfaction that follows. So I thought maybe I'm actually rewriting my question, what is the difference between rewriting and revising? Thank you for all you do. I love this question, and it is a hard one. Um, it's, it's, those words are right up there with the rest of the words. When we are talking about writing, everybody uses those words differently. They can be editing their book. They can be rewriting it. They can be revising it. In my mind, though, if we're going to go down to semantics, and I think this will touch what your question is, for me, in my mind, rewriting is on a sentence level. It's looking at the sentences on the page and making them better, making them stronger, taking out extraneous words where I may be repeating myself, adding stronger, more direct or more thoughtful words. Um, sometimes that makes, if I'm writing something a little bit funny, I try to make it funnier. If I'm writing something somber, I try to make it darker and deeper, but I'm rewriting on a sentence level. And that's how Rachel Heron thinks about the word rewriting. And yes, to your question, a lot of people, many, many people, because they're not taught this any other way, believe that revising is rewriting, that you write a book and then you go through and you make all the sentences better, and then you've revised your book. And I don't believe that is true. Revision, capital R revision, is bigger and harder than that. Um, and I want to apologize right up front right now, because I do love revision and a lot of my guests love revision and we wax rhapsodic about revision. And when I teach 90 day revision, most of my students come through that class and they go, Oh my God, you're right. I love revision. And then there are some people who are like, okay, now I understand how to revise. And I Still don't like it very much, Rachel. I'm always going to prefer first drafting. It is a matter of taste and um, preference. And so I apologize for, for always glowing on about revision because sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just really, really hard. Revision is not looking at the sentence level. It's looking at the book as it hangs together as a whole when we apply story structure over it. So what that looks like for me is after I've written a book, I look at every scene. I look at where it falls in the book percentage-wise. Um, I make sure that I have an interesting hook to get me into the book, to get the reader into the book. I make sure that I have an inciting incident, which includes a catalyst and a choice being made. I make sure that I have a context shifting midpoint in which the main character or characters learn something that changes everything. And then I make sure I have a dark moment or moments where 
everything is pretty bad and our character has to finally grow into themselves. And when I say the word character, I'm talking about multiple characters and I'm also talking about yourself if you're writing a memoir. All of that stuff has to happen. Um, even if we're writing a collection of essays, we can still structure the collection of essays to have those, those parts um, which satisfy reader expectation. And when you're looking at that, when you're trying to overlay story structure onto the book that you have, what happens a lot of times is you're like, oh my God, my I do have a place where everything changes for this character, but it doesn't happen at the middle. It happens at 30%. Um, fine. Can you make that work? Can you make something else happen at 50%? And I know that it sounds formulaic when I talk like this, but it is just literary gravity. It's what readers expect. It is two wings on an airplane. I mean, some airplanes don't have two wings, but most of them do. Not all human beings have one head, two arms and two legs, but most of them do. It is what um, it is what the reader expects when they look at our book, they expect to have these things. So revision is a lot of decisions about scenes that may or not be doing the work to provide stability and the bone structure of your book. If you are listening to this and panicking, um, like, what is story structure? How do I learn it? How do I get it? There are a million books out there that are great. I really love, 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 love Larry Brooks story engineering. That's the one that really, really worked for me. Uh, I'm going to give myself a plug right here. And if you are not on my email list of encouragement, um, please get on it because at some point in that um, autoresponder series that you get on when you join the list, I will send you Rachel Heron's story structure beat sheet. And it is cobbled together from all of the books I've ever read, plus my own things that I've come up with. It's a two-page PDF and it is story structure. Everyone will talk about story structure a little bit differently. Is it three act? Is it four act? Is it five act? All of those words are saying the same thing. The same action points and plot points happen in the same places. It's just, you got to find somebody who speaks the language that you do. I love a four act structure. That is, and I, I get that from Larry Brooks. Um, I'm not even going to go into story structure right now because that would be, that's a whole class. Um, but if you are feeling this, Brian, that you have been rewriting the, rewriting the sentences and not looking at the grander story structure, um, that may be what you are thinking about. Uh, I do believe, and I'm just remembering this off the top of my head, Brian, so I might be wrong, but I think that you came to me through my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir. If you read Fast Draft Your Memoir and you applied that story structure principle, your book is perhaps already in real good shape, story structure-wise. Perhaps there is no need for panic. Perhaps you have been rewriting sentences to make them stronger um, because all the parts were in the right place already. And that would be really cool. And perhaps you are getting ready to release the book to its next stage, whether that is looking for an agent or whether that is hiring an editor. You get to make all of those decisions. Um, but I'm really, really glad that you keep going back to your book and that you are thinking about this and that you are heeding that call. So thank you, Brian, for asking this. And I hope that that was helpful. Um, okay, this one comes from Mariah. Hello, Mariah. Uh, she says, I've been mostly stuck on making headway with the third draft of my most recent book. At first, I thought it was the phase change that was bothering me, moving back from reading and note-taking into actual writing. Then I thought the solution might be to take a little time away from the manuscript and noodle notes about what I wanted to do with the book and these people. 
Then I dealt with a serious bout of who am I to write about this subject and these people. And after that, while working on it, I noticed I was trying to fix all the problems in the draft in one go, which I know is impossible, but it's still so hard to let that ambition go. Do you have any tips on how to approach this draft kindly and gently, but in a way that will allow me to get the work done? Any thoughts? Greatly appreciated. So yeah, you're dealing with a, a, a bunch of different common common problems in here, Mariah. And I know that you know that. Um, and I know that you are so far advanced that you are asking these questions because you are just thinking about them yourself and providing your own answers. Um, and I really love all of the little things that you did. You were reading and note-taking and you understood that moving into actual writing is hard. Then you took a little bit of time away and you noodled those notes. And then you noticed the question that rose in your head that was saying, or questions that were saying, who am I to write about this subject and these people? And that is so difficult, so difficult. That's going to go into um, another answer that I'm going to talk about uh, when I get to Darren's question. So I'm going to hold that question for right now um, and go to your specific question, which is the next one. You noticed that you are trying to fix all the problems in the draft in one go. You, Mariah, are well-versed in how your revision process works. And I know this, I can say this because I have worked with Mariah. She's a friend of mine. Um, I know that she knows this. When it comes to revision, a lot of times it is easier to do revision in passes. What those passes look like are different for everyone. Uh, I usually do a large second draft in which I am only concentrating on getting the, getting the scenes to make sense where they are in order to support that story structure. And then I do a third draft where I make the book a little bit better. And then I break into passes and they are things like adding setting and adding character description and uh, making sure that my theme is implied, but not beating you over the head, but it is there. These are passes for me. And they are um, what they, what that means is that I don't worry about them in the first draft, the second draft or the third draft. None of those things are in there. My settings are cardboard. My character descriptions don't exist. Um, this is a great time to approach dialogue and just look at dialogue on a, on a pass, go through the whole book and just look at one thing. And I wonder um, if, Mariah, you know the pieces of the puzzle that you're trying to put together all at once when you work through the draft in one go. Perhaps while you are looking at a scene or a chapter, while you're thinking about fixing it, can you take a moment to kind of fly above yourself and do a, a real meta-analysis of what you're doing and what you're thinking about? Break it into what you're looking at. Here you're fixing dialogue. Here you are fixing um, actual language on the page. Here you are fixing emotion, making sure that that is visible. Write all those things down and see if you can break any out and hold them for later and when I say hold them for later, the thing that happens is you will go to the next scene and you will think to yourself, well, I am not dealing with emotion in this pass, so I'm going to ignore emotion right now. However, what happens was, you know, while you're working on dialogue, you are working on emotion a little bit. It just happens. It can't not happen. So you can't stop yourself from doing the things, all of the things, um, but you can be kind to yourself and tell yourself that I can, I can wait and do this in a later pass. The fact that you're asking how to approach this draft kindly and gently is really important because what it is really saying is um, you're asking yourself how you can approach yourself kindly and gently. And 
that comes really down to the way you're treating yourself as a writer and as a human being. When, when I am beating up my book, I'm always beating up myself and vice versa. When I'm beating up myself, I'm always beating up whatever book I'm working on or whatever project I'm working on. That just happens. Uh, so I need to be a nicer person to myself. And then I am a nicer person to my book. And when I'm a nicer person to my book, I'm a nicer person to myself. It really does go hand in hand. So ask yourself, are you getting enough sleep, enough water, enough time with friends, enough time with family, enough personal time where you could just relax and do nothing? Are you satisfying all of your top 10 Clifton strengths? If you have done that test, um, can you do more for yourself and be kinder to yourself and under, and remind yourself that this just takes time and you're doing a great job. And I can hear the frustration in your voice. Um, and I just want to reassure you that I have seen you get through this before. And this goes for all of you listening. You do get through it, but sometimes it does take going up that level, looking down on everything in a big macro way and include yourself in that package. How am I feeling about this? So now I want to move um, Mariah into Darren's question and kind of cart your earlier question along with it. Darren, hello, Darren says, uh, I have another mini coach question. What advice do you have for someone who has lost the why and is struggling to find it again? Thank you for being the bright spot in my podcast week. Number one, you're welcome. Number two, um, someone who has lost the why and is struggling to find it again. And Mariah, I heard this echoed um, Who in your question, who am I to write about this subject and these people? Uh, I got a, uh, an email. I have actually had a couple emails from people this week saying uh, my that, that their self-esteem is in the toilet, that they are circling the drain, that they don't know if they can do this. And I do think that a lot of that does come down to the request that we make of ourselves to answer this, why, why are we doing this? Who am I to do this? And something I really, really like remembering is I believe there are two answers to this question. Why and who are we to do this? Um, the why is because no, I mean, obviously everyone's going to tell you this. The why is every, no one can do this book, but you, no one can write this story, but you, even if this particular story has been written 400,000 times in the last six months, your story is different. And the way you tell it is different. And nobody else will ever tell the story. If you do not write it, your expression will be lost to the world forever. And the person who would have been moved and changed by it will never have that experience. You are, you are taking that away from them. If you do not write your story, if you do not share it, that is really, really important. And then on the other hand, I also like to hold as equally true. I'm going to try to say this in, in a, in a really, in a way that doesn't make you all want to punch me in the face, but um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why. Uh, I like to think of this because I'm never personally going to figure out a big enough why. I am never going to be able to put down a sentence that says, the reason I am writing this book, uh, the book I'm writing right now, is a lighthearted novel about death. The reason I am writing it, it's not going to change the world. It's 
not going to be remembered in a thousand years. Um, it's, I'm, I'm kind of nobody when it comes to telling this story. And that to me is reassuring because it lets me off the hook and I just get to do what I want to do and hope that it will help somebody. Even if that somebody is just me, even if this book gets put in a drawer and I never pull it out again, if it helps me and I have been enjoying writing, which I still am, strangely enough, um, that's enough. That is enough. We are never going to have, I, I will put this in the I position. I will never have a good enough answer that says, um, who am I to write this? Well, I, I know quite a bit about this and I would like to share that with everybody. And my opinions are going to help the United Nations fix the world. That doesn't make sense. I am really nobody to write this story. And that allows me to hold it more lightly. Oh yeah, I'm an artist. I'm doing my art. And that makes me a better human being on a daily basis. If I am a better human being on a daily basis, then my world around me becomes a better place because I am in it. Whether or not anyone ever reads the words that I say. So both things are true. Who are we to do this and why are we doing it? Because no one else can. And it is that important. And you might save a life or many, or just make somebody's day better and brighter. And on the other hand, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's all good. We're just trying to do the best we can. And there's no good answer for that. Knowing that both of those things are true really, really helps me. Um, so thank you for allowing me to lump those questions in together. And and I want to remind everybody, this is this is a this is I feel like giving you all a hug. Come on over. I'll give you a hug. Um, I, I feel like maybe it's just kind of a hard time for a lot of people right now in publishing, trying to be published. And what I want to remind you is that it is not easy for anyone. And um, I have seen two or three people really recently say, this is too hard for me. I'm going to give up. I can't, I can't go on doing this, trying to get published thing. Um, and I have heard a couple of them in their voice have this tone that is, um, it's the rejection is too hard. And that means that this book is not good enough. Those two things are completely separate. They, they, they are, they are not together. Um, how good your book is and, and, re and rejection or acceptance. And every single writer who publishes their work feels this all the time. So if you feel like you're really struggling with your self-esteem about your writing, you are just normal. There's really nothing you have to change. If you are waiting until you feel good about your book and about your writing and about your path to publishing, if you're waiting until you feel confident to do this, if you are attempting to query and go with a traditional publish, or if you're attempting to self-publish a fantastic book, um, if you're waiting to feel that confidence, it's not going to happen. You will, you will touch it sometimes. It will wash over you. And we learn to love those feelings when we know that we wrote something great and we can't wait for somebody to read it. But the rest of the time, it's another case of practice. Getting, we're just practicing getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. We're just getting more used to feeling uh, crappy and just sitting down and doing the work anyway and realizing, oh, it's really not that big deal. That was pretty enjoyable. I enjoyed that. But waiting for the confidence and the feel goods in order to continue, 
it ain't going to happen. We do it anyway. We do it anyway. We keep showing up. Um, we keep doing the work. And the goal is never, I've said this before, but um, I'll just say it one more time. Sorry, this is kind of a long Q&A today. But goals exist only to make us uncomfortable. And I, I liken it to when we moved to New Zealand, we were, you know, we had a year of about eight months of a pretty much abject misery, right? And the goal was to be somewhere safe and comfortable and happy. So if the goal is to be somewhere safe and comfortable and happy, and we had been living in California safely and comfortably and happy, why the hell did we sign up for eight months of misery of packing and moving and cleaning and being, you know, unhoused in suitcases and air, airs BNB. Um, we did it because we wanted to get somewhere, but the getting somewhere was not the point. The point was to do this together, to have this adventure together. That was the real point. The goal of being published and having people read your words in whatever way publishing looks like for you we, all of us, we move toward that goal because we think it'll make us feel better. And we make think it'll make us feel like a real writer that that's an impossibility. It never will. It will never, it will make us feel like that for like 10 minutes. And then that feeling goes away. And the actual act of doing the writing and the revising and the rewriting and the, the working with editors, that's hard stuff. And if we are, if we have a goal of feeling better about ourselves because we are a capital R real capital W writer, but we have to go through all of this kind of really hard stuff to get there. We're not going to do it. We're going to give up. But if our goal serves as this focus point for us to move through these uncomfortable situations and get stronger and stronger and more excited about what we're doing. Then when we reach the goal, it's fantastic. It feels really great. And then we get to decide the next goal, which will not be really a goal. The goal just exists to make us better at feeling uncomfortable. And it's really easy for me to say, I absolutely know that. Uh, I hate feeling uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable all morning and have already cried twice. No joke both for reasons outside myself and just because I'm an idiot and I do idiotic things and I hate those feelings. Uh, but there is this stepping back that I can do and go, Oh yeah, here I go. Here I go feeling uncomfortable again. And, uh, and that's okay. I am learning to be uncomfortable in this way because it's making me a stronger, better, more whole and useful person. And I can say that now at 11.08 a.m., but at 9 a.m. this morning, I did not feel that way. So um, anyway, I knew that this podcast would be kind of big. Um, thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for these questions. I really, really appreciate all of, all of the patrons, patronage, past and present and future patrons. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate you if you cannot support me or if you just don't want to, and you just like hanging out with me on the podcast. I appreciate you too. You being here is huge, enormous. I love talking to you. And I really feel like we are talking with each other. Speaking of talking with each other, if you want to talk with each other and hang out on Zoom on July 9th, um, go to rachelherncom slash challenge, sign up totally free. You're doing me a favor. The more people I am doing this accountability challenge with, the more I will perhaps do my damn work, which I'm going to 
stop talking now and go do some of that. And then I'm going to go meet my friends over in Rachel Says Write, and we are going to write together and I'll get a lot more words with them. Speaking of accountability, that's a fantastic way. Uh, I will just briefly mention that 90 days to done and 90 day revision courses are open. Um, I believe I have one spot left in revision and one or two spots left in 90 days to done. So if you are interested in those, I would like literally pull your car over and go sign up. If you're hearing this, as soon as it comes out, uh, those classes fill up pretty much immediately. Um, and those URLs are rachelherron.com slash 90 days to done. 90 is the number and rachelherron.com slash revision. And I probably won't say this again. Uh, and I will not be teaching this course again until 2023. So either of those courses. So um, that's it. All right. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate all of you. And we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.